The reading is from Psalm 118, verse 1 to 29, and can be found on page 616 in the Red Bibles. We have Bibles in other languages and versions available at the back. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Let Israel say, his love endures forever. Let the house of Aaron say, his love endures forever. Let those who fear the Lord say, his love endures forever. When hard pressed, I cried to the Lord, and he brought me into a spacious place. The Lord is with me. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? The Lord is with me. He is my helper. I look in triumph on my enemies. It's better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in humans. It's better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. All the nations surround me, but in the name of the Lord, I cut them down. They surrounded me on every side, but in the name of the Lord, I cut them down. They swarmed around me like bees, but they were consumed as quickly as burning thorns. In the name of the Lord, I cut them down. I was pushed back and about to fall, but the Lord helped me. The Lord is my strength and my defense, and he has become my salvation. Shouts of joy and victory resound in the tents of the righteous. The Lord's right hand has done mighty things. The Lord's right hand is lifted high. The Lord's right hand has done mighty things. And I will not die but live and will proclaim what the Lord has done. The Lord has chastened me severely, but he has not given me over to death. Open for me the gates of the righteous and I will enter and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord through which the righteous may enter and I will give thanks. If you answered me, you have become my salvation. The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done this and it's marvelous in our eyes. The Lord has done it this very day. Let us rejoice today and be glad. Lord, save us. Lord, grant us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. From the house of the Lord we bless you. The Lord is God and he has made his light shine on us. With bows in hand, joined in the festal procession up to the horns of the altar. You are my God and I will praise you. You are my God and I will exalt you. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. Please take a seat. And uh, my name is Richard. If we haven't met, uh, it's uh, good to have you with us or uh, online if you're watching from home. And uh, I know it's chilly this morning. I don't have, um, you know, a, a dance for you to do like Pete did. Although if at any point you want to wave your arms in the air, um, I'll take it as wild enthusiasm. And I won't mind that at all uh, if that helps us get through the morning. Uh, but as we come to Psalm 118, shall uh, we pray together? Father, we thank you for uh, this book of Psalms, these 150 gifts to your church. 
these uh, poems and songs that explore some of our highs and lows, some of the depths, uh, some of the rawness, some of the delight of knowing Christ. And uh, we pray that as uh, we come again to Psalm uh, 118, you would speak to us in it, you would show us uh, Jesus in it. And would we leave saying uh, with the psalmist, the Lord has done it this day, let us rejoice today and be glad. Would you fill us with joy and gladness as we hear your word? Amen. Uh, well, we're just going to put some of the verses from the psalm back up because uh, Peter read it for us, and thank you for giving it some welly, but uh, even just listening to the psalm, you don't get the full experience for this one. This uh, psalm 118 was used through Israel's history at the Festival of Booths. So once a year, uh, Israel comes together in Jerusalem uh, to celebrate her history, to celebrate the Lord's uh, salvation of them and forming them as a nation. And uh, as part of that coming together and that festival, uh, this psalm, people would say it, sing it uh, together. And uh, so we might do that uh, as traditionally here. The words in yellow uh, would all say, also what's in white, the microphone isn't on, but just imagine uh, someone sort of at the front of the crowd leading uh, the congregation uh, in saying this together, call and response. So, and do say it with me. They were good voice at the first service. If you're quiet, I'm going to feel like a wally. Uh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. Let Israel say... Let the house of Aaron say, Let those who fear the Lord say, His love endures forever. Thanks. Uh, and maybe you can imagine, maybe uh, you can remember, maybe it's even recent that you've been to a concert or a, a music festival or something like that, and the crowd together uh, joining in some chorus, some line. Maybe you can imagine what it would have been like in that time of celebration as people came together declaring together the Lord's love endures forever. But maybe that's not your experience today. These three weeks in the Psalms, we've been calling it, uh, we've been exploring faith in troubled times. And so maybe as we're together, gathered today in a slightly chilly church building, those words sit with you a little differently, his love endures forever. If, or if you're at home, perhaps by yourself, saying those words, how does it feel? Or imagine the situation in Ukraine, a few believers gathered together, some underground shelter around a Bible, praying this psalm. How do you think it feels in their voice, in their place? All those times when we wake in the middle of the night and we're alone with our thoughts, full of thoughts and all kinds of things going around in our heads. If these words came back to you at that point, his love endures forever, how would they sound or land or feel with you? This psalm is, has been used at times of celebration. God's people coming together to celebrate his love for them. But this is a psalm for all times. It's a psalm, too, for troubled times. This is a psalm to teach us, whatever our times, whatever our circumstances, that the Lord's love does endure forever. A psalm to teach us to pray and to say and to believe and to enjoy the Lord's love always, whatever whatever is happening. And the psalm does that in two parts, two halves, or a long half and a short half. Uh, we'll call them halves. And in the first half, uh, we hear one voice, uh, the king. And the king tells his story of the Lord's unfailing love. He says, listen up, let me tell you my story. 
you sort of get, uh, verses 5 to 7 are the, the, the summary of the story. You get all the action packed down into just a few verses. When hard-pressed, I cried to the Lord. He brought me into a spacious place. The Lord is with me. I'll not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? The Lord is with me. He's my helper. I look in triumph on my enemies. We don't get many of the details. We don't know a lot of exactly what was going on uh, in his circumstance, but you get sort of the, the gist of it, this movement from uh, being surrounded by trouble to being in a spacious place, this movement from distress to triumph. There's a bit more in verse 10, slightly more detail. He says, all the nations surrounded me. All the nations surrounded me, not just some small, localized sort of conflict between a few people. The nations surrounded me. Verse 11, they surrounded me on every side. He just said the same thing twice. Uh, every side, that's what surrounded means. But he's, he's uh, trying to dig in. They surrounded me on every side. They swarmed around me like bees. They surrounded me. They surrounded me on every side. They swarmed around me like bees. A few years ago, I was talking with um, a mum of an eight-year-old boy. And uh, the day before, um, her boy and some friends had been out uh, playing outside in a field and had come across on the ground a bee's nest. And eight-year-old boys, being eight-year-old boys, one of them had sort of gone up to the other one, um, kick it. Uh, I'm not going to kick it. Kick it. Go on, kick it. And this little group of boys sort of start egging each other on. You know, dare you. Um, I'll kick it if you... And they, they come to a deal. They're all going to go and, as one, kick this bee's nest. And uh, mum's telling me this story. And at this point, she turns to her uh, lad and says, and uh, what did we learn yesterday? And he looks up at her and says... The bees always win, mum. <laughs> that was his experience of bees, and that's what uh, the king is saying here. They surrounded me, they surrounded me on every side, they swarmed around me like bees. Except the bees don't always win, because I've only read half of each verse. What he actually says is, all the nations surrounded me, but in the name of the Lord I cut them down. They surrounded me on every side, but in the name of the Lord I cut them down. They swarmed around me like bees. But they were consumed as quickly as burning thorns. In the name of the Lord, I cut them down. The bees don't always win. The name of the Lord always wins. I cut them down. I was pushed back and about to fall, but the Lord helped me. The Lord is my strength and my defense. He's become my salvation. And the next few verses, 15 down to 20, the, the king says, I'm going to tell my story. I'm going to sing it. Uh, um, among the righteous, I'm going to tell as many as I can this story of the Lord's love for me. I'm going to thank him, and I'm going to tell my story. The king tells his story of the Lord's enduring love. What do we take from that? Uh, what is that? There's lots uh, that we could learn from his experience and his example, uh, who the Lord is, what he's like, good ways of responding, of praying, of trusting, let me just pull out one uh, thing. Verses 8 and 9, I don't know if you uh, heard as it was read, slightly just jar, because uh, for most of this, it's, it's telling a story. This was my situation. This is what the Lord did. This is where I am now. In verses 8 and 9, he just pauses as if to look us in the eye and say, learn this lesson. It's better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in humans. It's better to take refuge in the Lord than trust in princes. I'll get back to my story, but let me just make sure you hear this. It is better to trust in the Lord, than to, uh, to take refuge in the Lord, than to trust in humans, he says. 
Not that it's wrong to receive all kinds of good from other people. Of course, we need other people all the time, every day. Of course we do. But our refuge, our home, our hope, our ultimate trust, he says, it's better for that to be in the Lord than humans. Over the last couple of years, we've received a huge amount of help and good from the NHS and from scientists and vaccine developers and, and all thousands of lives that they've saved. But the king would remind us it's better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust even in them. They won't keep us from death forever. Around the world, all eyes are looking to uh, President Zelensky and uh, to the EU and to NATO and, and what are they going to do? And, and, and rightly so, those people in important positions and roles with power to do good. But don't forget, says our king, it's better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. In our own lives, there'll be people around us who we lean on, who we rely on. And again, rightly so, good to have those people, close friends, parents, maybe a spouse that we trust. Good for them to be trustworthy. But if we load all of our hope onto them, they'll never be able to bear it. In the end, they will only be able to disappoint us. If we load everything onto them, hope for all of our life and satisfaction and joy and, and protection in them. It's better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in humans. It's better to take refuge in, in the Lord than to trust in princes. That's what this king wants us to know from his story. Let me tell you about the Lord, where I was, how he saved me, his love for me. Let me encourage you to trust him above anyone else. The first half of the psalm, the king tells this story of the Lord's enduring love for him. And then in the second half, we hear a crowd respond. I don't know about you, very often my experience of reading the Psalms is that lots in it is just a bit bigger than my experience. The emotions are bigger, the opponents are bigger, the salvation is bigger than anything I've sort of lived through or known. And this sort of experience of, of almost sort of, uh, you know, being an onlooker, watching this story, that there are some resonances, there are some things I think, yeah, that's a bit like this thing that I know or I've seen. I can learn from that, but it feels a bit bigger. I'm sort of looking in on a bigger story. In this psalm, that is dramatized, that dynamic, because from verse 22, this crowd starts to respond. And there's a crowd that says, wow, they've heard this story of the Lord's love for the king, and they say, wow, in response to the Lord's enduring love. Uh, everything to this point has been I and me and my, let me tell my story. From verse 22, it's, it's we and us and our uh, Pete showed us these verses that sit at the heart of the psalm. Verse 22, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done this, and it's marvelous in our eyes. The Lord has done it this very day. Let us rejoice today and be glad. The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. That's the people's reaction and response as they see this story of the king. They say, wow, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. My granddad was a, a dry stone waller, uh, not professionally, but sort of as a, as a hobby. Uh, the village he lived in, he would build dry stone walls all around the place. And if you haven't seen it, it is, it's an astonishing thing. Um, uh, as he would sort of you know, have this uh, pile of rocks out in front of him and just have a look through and go, oh, this one, 
will fit in there and sort of grab these rocks and slot them in. And there's no sort of cement, no mortar, nothing holding these things together, just, just dry stones and sticking them in. And somehow they sort of lock together and the pressure means they stick in. And, you know, when we were kids, we'd sometimes jump up on one of these walls and run along the top of it. And if he saw us, we'd be in trouble. Um, but they were strong enough that you could. These things, just these rocks stuck together. And it seemed like any, you know, this scattered array of rocks, none of them sort of shaped or worked or, you know, any sort of useful thing, but just a, a piece of rock. Yeah, that'll work. I can stick that in here. That'll work. I can stick that in here. And anything, it seemed, he could use to build, put these walls together. And I read this verse, and I imagine a, a stone that he would have rejected. It must have been some pretty scrappy little piece of rock for him to think, Do you know what, this is useless, and, and toss it away. But this verse takes us from the stone the builders rejected to a cornerstone, to a building like this one, a great big huge building. And at some point, uh, 176 years ago, someone would have got a stone and would have worked pretty hard on it. I had a look around the building to see if I could work out where I couldn't. You may know uh, where the first stone was laid. I'd love to know. Uh, you know, sometimes there's that plaque or, you know, Her Royal Highness came and laid it in, whatever it was. Um, you know, someone worked hard on this cornerstone. Because if this isn't straight and smooth and level, our whole building's going to be off-center or wonky or facing the wrong way. Or you know, This cornerstone gets a lot of effort. The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The imagery is, imagine God sort of coming along behind my granddad and finding this little rock that he's tossed over his shoulder and said, this is useless. And the Lord picks it up and says, I can work with this. And lays it down. And from it builds something astonishing. And magnificent and marvelous. Marvelous is the word they use. The Lord has done this and it's marvelous in their eyes. The Lord has done it this very day. Let us rejoice and be glad. Because this is something of the Lord's signature move in the Bible to take that which has been rejected and cast aside and useless and say, I can work with this. Uh, through this term, we've been reading some of the early chapters of Genesis on Sunday mornings, and if we carried on with the story of Genesis, you'd see this just within that book over and over again. You could read the stories of Leah and Joseph and Tamar, these people sort of rejected and useless and cast aside, and the Lord says, I can work with that, and uses them as the foundation of his people and of his great acts of salvation. The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done this, and it's marvelous in our eyes. The Lord has done it this very day. Let us rejoice today and be glad. And as Pete showed us, of course, in the, uh, his talk earlier, uh, Jesus is the, uh, the chief example of this. Jesus rejected in his ministry on earth. Isaiah said of him, he had no beauty to attract us to him. One of his first disciples' first responses to him was, can anything good come from Nazareth? Jesus rejected, and yet that become the cornerstone. Because verses 25 to 27, they are they're Palm Sunday verses. Palm Sunday that will mark next week as Jesus comes into Jerusalem, riding a donkey, surrounded by this adoring crowd. And verse 25 here, Lord, save us, or Hosanna. 26, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. That's what they shout to him on Palm Sunday. Verse 27, with bows in hand, join in the festival procession up to the horns of the altar. Grab your palm branches and follow Jesus into the temple. And uh, they follow him in on Palm Sunday, shouting and, and waving and laying coats in front of him. They, they ride him into the temple. 
and he takes his place there and rules happily ever after. That's where this psalm ends. That's not where that story ends, though. Because, of course, on Palm Sunday, the, the whole psalm starts again. It's in Jerusalem that Jesus finds himself surrounded by enemies. It's in Jerusalem that Jesus finds himself rejected by the builders. Disciples who run away and say, we didn't know him. Judas, who betrays him for a, a purse full of silver. Religious authorities who don't like what he's teaching. Religi- uh, Jewish leaders who say, we have no king but Caesar. Pilate, who washes his hands of him. The soldiers who nail him to a cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The stone, the builders rejected, thrown over the shoulder, laying in the ground. Until on Easter Sunday, God comes along and takes him out of the earth and says, I can work with this. And lays him as the corner in his resurrection, lays him as the corner of a church that will grow through, across the world and through history and never fall down again. The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. God has taken Jesus in his death, in his resurrection, and laid him as the beginning of something that will never end. The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done this, and it's marvelous in our eyes. The Lord has done it this very day. Let us rejoice today and be glad. God's people look on Jesus and his story and say, wow. Whatever situations we are in today, troubled times or not, Jesus would say, would you look at my story? Look at my Easter story, my death and my resurrection, and in that, see a proof of the Lord's enduring love. See his salvation for me. See what he did with what seemed like the most desperate, the most rejected, the most useless situation. And in my death for you, and my resurrection for you, can you see something of the Lord's enduring love for you? Whatever your times, and whatever your place, and whatever your circumstance, for you. And so the psalm ends exactly where it begun. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. But by the end of the psalm, we know who it is that's holding the microphone. At the front of the crowd, it's not, you know, like some uh, music uh, festival, some peppy 23-year-old who's uh, sort of immaculately dressed in the latest designer clothes, four hours of hair and makeup, you know, sort of uh, beautiful and charming, and it's Jesus. At the front of his congregation, holding the microphone in a nail-scarred hand, saying, this is my story. Will you join in the chorus with me? Will you speak with me of the Lord's enduring love, which I have known and experienced and which has saved me and will save you? And so uh, we're going to do that, actually. Uh, If you could, would you stand with me? Um, I'll get the band to come back up. We're going to sing in just a moment. Uh, But before we do that, uh, why don't we uh, start where we finish, like the psalm does, uh, with these words from Psalm 118. Uh, There they are. Let's say together, give, uh, well, you can do, uh, as before, his love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Let Israel say, 
His love endures forever. Let the house of Aaron say, Let those who fear the Lord say, his love endures forever. Amen. Let's sing together.